Turn in your Bibles with me to Exodus 15. You probably maybe say, well, you know, you've taught this before. I know. We're going to teach it again. Yes. You know, teach it again. Yes. Hallelujah. You know, if you have a good steak, you probably want one next week maybe. Yes. Or if you're a salmon person, a fish person, you know, wherever they serve good salmon, you'd like to go there and eat. And they got a restaurant in our city, in Louisville, that's my city too. They serve a dip that's just the bomb. <laughs> Hallelujah, spinach dip that just throw you into next year. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, I wanted to make a couple comments here, and I thought this was helpful to me. Uh, you know, I'm in a lineage of faith. You know, Dr. Dufresne was submitted to Brother Hagen, Kenneth E. Hagen, and Dr. Summerall, so he had kind of two different people. He always said Brother Summerall was more of his pastor. Brother Hagen was more of his spiritual father. You don't have to try to figure that out. Just listen to me. But I'm in that lineage. And Brother Hagen said P.C. Nelson was his spiritual father. Now, P.C. Nelson was a Baptist. He didn't believe in healing. He got ran over by a vehicle in the 20s or 30s, early 30s. It messed up his body, messed up his leg. They were going to take his leg off. And he got in the Bible and finally figured out God wanted to heal him. God healed him, and he went around preaching on healing the rest of his life. But he made this comment, P.C. Nelson, no matter what other subjects you're studying on every day, feed on the subject of faith and healing, for either you're going to need it or someone you're going to come in contact with is going to need it. What a powerful word. And I, I've, I've kept that for many years. Of course, I used to say I think about my faith every day. I still do. Because I know if I'm not in faith, I'm not pleasing the Father. Though I'm going through all the motions, if I'm not in faith, it doesn't please Him and it doesn't get things done either. You know, faith is the victory. Unbelief is the failure of life. <laughs> Doubt and fear and unbelief is the failures of life. People that think like that and talk like that, they're failures. No matter if they got some money or not, they're just failures. But those of us who think right and work at thinking right about our faith, this, I used to say this every time for a year, but I began to add this on. I'm going to think about faith and healing every day that I live. Yes, of course, I started thinking about it when I was about 25 or 30. Uh, probably by the time I was 30, a lot more intensely. Because I realized, you know, if I don't think right, I'm not going to be here for my duration. Hallelujah. Now, if I decide to go home, that's between me and God. But I'm not planning on that right now. But if you know I went home, you just realize I got satisfied. Okay, just thought I'd throw that out there for your thinking. No, I'm not thinking about going home either, anytime soon. But whatever other subjects you're studying on every day, feed on the subject of faith or healing. Brother Hagen, you don't have to try to figure all this out. Brother Hagen made a little devotional book, Health Food. <laughs> He's got one called Faith Food. I got copies of them in all my bathrooms at my house. I got extra copies in my library at home. Yeah, because I read men that knew how to live. He said, the reason I have not had a headache since 1933, and he died in 2003, that's 70 years. He said, I never spoke evil of another man. You think about that. You want to be sick, you want to be tormented, just shoot your mouth off all the time about everybody you don't like. And it'll, the devil will put it on you and strap it on you and buckle you into it and chain you to it. I'm trying to make it sound as ugly as it is because it's ugly. When you talk about other in the name. Now, sometimes you might refer to some principle that somebody taught. You're not talking against the preacher. But you've got to be careful that you don't bring up names and things like that. 
Hallelujah. Moving right along. So what should you be thinking about every day, at least part-time? Your faith and healing. <laughs> you know, it's good to go over things every day. You know, and this is the way I think, unless I'm totally whole, I need to think about it. Because there's a wholeness, if you follow me, there's a wholeness to get into that most people never figure out. They just got healed once or twice from something minor. But there's a wholeness to get into where sickness and disease can't even touch you. <laughs> it gets knocked out before it ever gets to you. I remember Iraq, I think it was Iraq. I don't know if I got the right country. And we had, uh, they were shooting Scud missiles someplace, maybe against Israel. And Israel sent up those rockets, what were they called? Patriot rockets. And they took them out in the, in the atmosphere before it ever hit the earth. You could live like that. I know it seems far-fetched, but, you can, but if you don't think about it, you'll never think about it. You'll never get there. Yes. What does the Bible say? No weapon formed against me made it personal. I'm not saying it wouldn't work for you, but I just take it personal. I take the Bible personal. That's why it works for me. I'm not just trying to t you know, make a living preaching the Bible. It's what I'm called to do, but I take the Bible t towards me as a personal thing when God's speaking. And he said, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And that's old covenant. They were righteous under that covenant through the blood of animals and goats and, you know, and lambs and all that kind of stuff and heifers and whatever they're doing to slaughter things to get right. But in this new covenant, we're righteousness by faith. Like Pastor Randy was saying, it's not an effort to get into it. You just accept it. I'm not going to do anything. Let me, I hope you get, I'm not going to do much in my life to impress God, period. You got to get to thinking right. I'm just trying to serve him effectively. I'm not trying to make a name for myself with him. I'm his son, whether I live right or I don't, whether I got it all figured out or not, whether I do everything that I'm teaching you or not. I'm trying to do those things, but every once in a while I might miss it. But I'm not set back in, in guilt and shame and all that for weeks on end. I just simply go to God and say, Father, I shouldn't have whatever, and fill in the blank, and I'm sorry, I repent. He restores me right on the spot. In fact, I'd like to say, you know, that father that had those two boys and the one went off and partied his money away in a drug house like I did and partying, and he came home. His father saw him a long way off and ran towards him. <laughs> he didn't make the boy come to the porch and kneel down and grovel. He ran towards him, hugged his son, kissed him, said, get the ring out. Put that ring back on him. That's his authority. Put that robe on him. Get him clothed with the right things. Kill the fatted calf. Let's party. Let's dance. Let's Music, I mean, that's the way you need to think about God's attitude towards you, even if you messed up. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're talking about divine healing. Listen, I'm not against medicine. If you need it, take it. I'm not against surgery. If you're serious, then you either have to take it or I will have to bury you. That's your call. You can do what you want with that. But, you know, my point is I'm not talking about doctors right now. I'm not talking about the metallurgical people like Christian science and unity and all the weirdness out there that people call church. That sickness and disease isn't real. It's real. There's people in the graveyards all around here, and they're not moving no more. Their bodies are dead <laughs> because it's real. No, I'm not talking about the metaphysical things to cure with your mind or to cure somehow medically into your body by giving you some nutrients or something. I'm talking about supernaturally, divinely, God touching you and making you whole. 
And it may take time, depending on your condition, depending on how you talk and how you think and how you live and what examples you've had before you. But we can do this. And we can live in divine health. There's healing, then there's divine health, then there's divine life. (laughs) You know, John G. Lake, I was told, you know, Aaron Cobb, he went to Christ for the nation. So did Mike Rabel. And they knew Frida Lindsay. That was the lady that ran Christ for the Nations for, I don't know, 50 years. I think she just went home last year. It's about 93 or something. She said to Brother Aaron Cobb one time, out of all the men of God that I've ever been around, when I got in a room with John G. Lake, the room was vibrating with anointing and authority. It never felt anything like that around any man except for John G. Now, he died young. You know, one time I was reading his book in my office when I had my office here in the Lord, and Dr. Dufresne saw it, and he said, you reading this? He said, yeah. He said, I wouldn't read it too much. He died young. So I just put the book away. I said, I don't argue with people that tell me something that I know they love me. But my point is, when he was here in his fullness, there was such authority in his life that it, it made people realize when they were just around him how much authority he walked in. See, he went, he went to Africa, you know, and, and uh, somebody invited him. I think it was him. might have been Wigglesworth, but I think it was John G. Lake to come to a spiritist meeting. He said, I'll go if you give me three hours to teach you. And he went, and he just shook them all up. And he was in Africa, and some other chieftain cursed this other chief, said, I'm going to burn you up at 2 o'clock in the afternoon tomorrow on Sunday. So John G. Lake went with the priest that was cursed, he said about 2 o'clock he fell off his horse and turned red. He said he's having a heat stroke. And he just saw it, just to wait to see if that could do anything. And he said, in Jesus' name, I break that. And the guy recovered instantly. Hallelujah. 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 See, I'm not following the man with every detail, but I can follow a man's faith. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. Hallelujah. <clears throat> yeah. Amen. Yeah, praise the Lord. So we're talking about divine healing, supernatural healing that comes to you from God. And God starts from the inside out. That's why we're te- talking about teaching you things, just general things, important things. I found out in the Bible in Matthew 9 that the man didn't give God any glory until he was healed. I've heard people say that my whole life, ignorant people. I'm getting some glory out of this. Well, you sure it's not showing? No, the Bible teaches God gets glory when you get healed, not when you're sick. You say you sound hardcore. No, if you're thinking right, you, I just sound right. Because the Bible's right. You may or may not be, but the Bible's always right. I may or may not be, but the Bible always is right. And later in Matthew 15, there was a whole group of people came, the blind, the dumb, the lame, the maimed, people without hands. And he said he healed them all. When they were healed, they glorified the God of Israel. When they were healed, they glorified God. When they were made whole, when they were, as we said last night, perfectly restored perfectly whole see sometimes you can get a healing on the outside through a man of God that's anointed like myself and others or but mainly God's going to heal from the inside out that's why we teach the Bible to get those scriptures in you and then you need to rehearse them let me say something else about divine healing. you don't have to know everything in the Bible that I know right now you just got to have one scripture you believe you don't have to call in all the prayer warriors and all the people and call the prayer chapel somewhere in the planet that's telling you you're going to pray. For. All you need is one person if you need agreement. Just one person that knows how to believe with you. Yeah. And Orville Hayes, I, I, I was with him one time. He was preaching. 
this young girl had cancer. She's about 27 years old. She said, I got all these preachers from my denomination are praying for me. He said, honey, you don't need that. You just need to believe God. Just you. <laughs> you know, remember Norval? He said, people say, well, I love the Lord, Norval. He said, bluebirds love the Lord. That don't get them healed. It's because you love the Lord. And it doesn't. It doesn't put you in good standing. It's nice to love the Lord. You should. But that won't impress him a whole lot if you don't believe him. Because it's faith that pleases God. <laughs> okay. Love has its place, but don't get those two confused. Hallelujah. We learned anything yet? I've not even got in the word with you, really, but I've already given you several references. It's up to you, this is Brother Hagin, it's up to you to receive from God. I'm going to say that again. It's up to you and me to receive from God. Nobody can receive for me, and I can't receive for you. If I could have, there'd be people sitting here with me today that I buried. <laughs> Not making fun, I'm talking truth here. It's up to you to receive from God. Receiving is something you do. If you can't get people to receive and act upon God's word, there isn't any way you or even God can help them. Kenneth E. Hagin, he knew something. Man never had a headache for 70 years. I mean, the man walked in divine health, had all kinds of supernatural, in the devil's camp, supernatural things when he was born. Deformed body, deformed heart action. His heart was diseased and all kinds of, but God healed him. Just, he said, I was reading my grandma's Methodist Bible and got to Mark eleven twenty three, and God said, that's your answer. Said it took me 15 minutes to turn back to Mark 11 because I was in Mark another chapter and his hand wouldn't work right, but he kept moving it until he could turn the page. You see what I'm saying? Something about learning God for yourself that makes you a champion. And so I'm just repeating what Brother Hagin said. If you can't get people to act on God's word, that there any, there's no way that you or even God can help them. Hallelujah. Interesting. These are big boy things I'm saying, but we need to hear it nonetheless. No, being, no, no sense being shook up over everybody. You do your best to teach them, do your best to get the word to them so that they could have faith to act on it, and then it's on their side. What is ours in Christ, I'm still talking about Brother Hagin. Both of these are out of his faith, and no, the one's out of the triumphant church. This comment, his book, to try. What is ours in Christ requires nothing but the taking or appropriating it by faith. See, healing belongs to you. I'm going to teach on that in just a few minutes, give you three or four scriptures that go along with it. But what's already yours, you just take it by faith. You're not, you're not robbing God of it. He's, he's already given it to you. Yeah, let me say it's already in your account. You know, if you had a, a special bank account and there was already money in there, then you could go get all that money out if you wanted because it's already yours. Isn't that right? If you got a title to the car, that means that car belongs to you or an airplane or whatever it is if you've got the title because that's yours. And Brother Hagin says, what is ours in Christ, what we have in him, I'm putting that to that, requires nothing but the taking or appropriating it by faith. We don't have to struggle to believe for something that already belongs to us. I'm saying a mouthful here. But we do need to know it's ours, it's ours, or we won't take advantage of our rightful position in Christ or take advantage of what is already ours. When, see, I'm not trying to get healed 
I am the healed, and the devil comes to steal my health. You got to get that straight in your head. I'm not the sick trying to be healed. Now, I could have symptoms in my body, but I, healing belongs to me, and I'm settling it that healing's already a part of me, and I'm entering into that, and I'm taking it by faith. And sometimes your faith has to be forceful. Don't, don't let that bother you against the devil. Amen. You're not trying to turn God's hand. You're not going to intimidate God to do anything. You do know that. You're not going to twist his arm. He's, what he's done in redemption, I think one of the things Pastor Randy mentioned it, and even Pastor Mark about covenant. I'm in a covenant with God, and part of my covenant says I am healed. Yes. Amen. Part of it says I'm rich. Yes. Part of it says I'm righteous. Yes. Part of it says I'm redeemed yes. by his blood once and for all. Hallelujah. He had to do that just one time. Yes. Hallelujah. Dr. Summerall said, when I want something, I start doing something for it. Then God does the rest. I don't sit with my hands folded and just say, oh, God, do a miracle. He won't. God responds to action, to movement. And that's in Brother Summerall's book, Faith to Change the World. What a comment. When I want something, I start doing something for it. In other words, sows a seed or does an act or he moves towards God and let God do the rest of it. Hallelujah. Pretty good little comments here. See, it's important here. Say something else, maybe one thing. Your faith won't work, will work for others under two conditions. This is Brother Hagen. When someone is under your authority. I've never had a problem getting anybody delivered from any kind of spirit for 40 years when they were ready to be delivered. <laughs> now, some people, I, I didn't cast it out because they didn't want it. Some people sitting here tonight. You better determine you want to be delivered. All right. But he says, when someone is under your authority, I've been able to get my faith to work for, uh, to his second cousin, he said. I don't know if I would say that, but anyway, he did. My faith wouldn't work past the second cousin unless I had their agreement. Now, he's talking about when your faith can work for somebody else. But I also heard him told about his wife. When he met his wife, she'd get sick every year and have a sore throat. And he said, well, you're not going to do that anymore. You're my wife. I take authority over that. I'm stopping it right now. Then he said 10 years later, she had a sore throat and came to him and said, Honey, I'm not going to do that for you. You should have grown up. So she had to take her faith and use her authority to get that off of her. There's responsibility with this. Or you could just fall back into the mediocrity of the church today and don't even care about it. Just go to church, go home, kiss your wife, play with the kids, unwrap Christmas, and have a party. But if you're going to be a real person that believes God, you're going to have to be responsible for what I'm teaching you. <laughs> I just can't random go into hospitals and get everybody healed. I don't even know if they want to be healed. Some, some people, sickness is a habit with them. And don't look at me funny. You've got a relative like that, at least one. Yeah. And then the other thing he says he could get somebody where, when your faith will work for others. That's what I'm talking about right now. If they're a bona fide baby Christian. I remember I was believing for somebody to live and not die. And the Lord said, no, he had plenty of time to read his own Bible. He didn't do it, Michael. You're not turning it for him. I said, well, I don't like that. And he said, well, it's too bad you don't like it, but you're not going to change it. Stop that crying. Okay. So instead of doing that, I had to bury him. Just talking to you. Good man. Love God. Love me. He was my father. 
Are you listening? You know, just because you live on the planet and you have a church, that doesn't mean you know the Bible. But you're going to have to get in it at least at some level and start purposing to get in it and know God better. I think Pastor Randy mentioned that. Not, not just know about God, know Him. Yeah. See, when you know Him, you know you know Him. Yeah. Like I know Pastor Randy quite well. I, he's been around me for 30 years. <laughs> but I'm trying to help you to see something. You're not going to change everything for everybody. Right. But when it comes to you personally, take a hold of this. Yes. Move in yes. the set, yes. standard that God has set. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> Yeah. Where did I ask you to turn? Exodus 15. I'm, I'm there now. I'm finally there. Hey, he's finally here. Let's see here. It said, uh, he's, this is when he just, when he brought him out of Egypt. Well, I'm just paraphrasing. He brought him out of Egypt. And remember, they were, they were slaves. They weren't fed well. But they came out, and there was three million of them at all different age groups. And like I said last night, and there was not one feeble one among them. Not one. Not one feeble one among them. You think of newborns to the eldest. Children, elementary, preschool, elementary, high school, junior high, etc. Young married couples, young singles to elderly people. All in that three million of them walking. They're not taking tark. They're not riding the bus. They're not even on horses that I know about. But they're just walking out of their bondage. And every one of them is well and healed. Because God said, you know, take a lamb for each household and eat it. So they were partaking of, and we would say the Lord's Supper in back in that covenant. <laughs> God healed every one of them. And they weren't weak or stumbling. The one Hebrew translation said, where it says there was not one feeble one, there was not one stumbling to get out of there. They all could walk and they were strong and that, that's what they were doing to get with their destiny. They're walking. Amen. Hallelujah. Not one feeble one among them. So he brings them out and the, as soon as they cross over the Red Sea... He cuts a covenant with them to say, I am Jehovah Rapha, I am the Lord that healeth thee. See, he's trying to establish that in them immediately when they come out. Think what your life would have been like when you first got saved if somebody knew, like Pastor Randy, some pastor knew, about divine healing. I mean, some of us, we, we could have even got people healed from anything when they came to receive Jesus. We should have said, well, you receive him as your Lord and Savior, your healer, your financier, your deliverer, and put some things in there like that to get them thinking, even though they're young and don't know much yet. No matter at the age they came, but they still didn't know much about him. But begin to think of him as your healer. See, every day I thank him. I thank you, Father, you're my healer. Thank you, Father, by your stripes I am healed. Thank you for the blood that prevails for me today. Plead the blood over my life, over my children, my grandchildren, my wife, my, this church, other churches that are connected to me, those pastors and their congregations. See, and I'm, I'm talking to myself, saying, Lord, you're my healer. So what I'm trying to show you is, you know, first things, first things are important. When God does something, the first redemptive name he gives us here is Jehovah Rapha. I'm the Lord that heals you. I want to be your healer. I want to be your physician. I want to be your doctor. Nothing wrong with going to doctors. If I need them, I go. I'm first to get in line and go somewhere if I need that. I'm just being honest. But my faith is not in just a doctor, but in God as my healer. You listening to me? So this is important when we realize this is what he said. So I'm going to read verse 26 to you. And he says... uh, if you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God, will will do that which is right in his sight. 
and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians. For I am the Lord that healeth thee. Now, I want to point out something that's become more important to me the older I get. He said, if you will diligently hearken to the voice. Now, sometimes I think it's right that we emphasize the word, the written word. How many understand what I'm saying? I mean, but in this comment here, he says, if you hear God's voice. You know, so sometimes you could know some scripture, <coughs> but you need to pray and hear God speak to you about what to do about that. Are you listening? <laughs> when I needed a doctor, I prayed and asked God who to go to. And some of the doctors I went to for a season, the Lord said, turn him loose. So I quit going. Because the Lord said, turn that person loose. They're not going to be able to help you. But since that time, I, everybody I prayed to, my dentist, my eye doctor, etc., I could go on with it. And I pray and I figure out, well, if I'm going to get some help, who do I go to? But also just hearing God's voice about every other thing in my life. See? Hearken to the voice of the Lord your God. In the, in the New Testament, it's John 10, I think, 27. Jesus said, my sheep... How many are his sheep? You know, we're Jesus' sheep, and then you're Jordan's sheep in this house, but you're still Jesus' sheep if you're born again. He says, my, 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 uh, my sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. Hallelujah. And I think it's John 10, about verse 4. It says, the voice of a stranger they will not follow. See, sometimes people are hearing something, but they're not hearing correctly, and then you act on that and get you in trouble. Now, I'm just talking about divine healing right now. Yes, <laughs> you know, God may speak to you something you need to do you haven't even thought about yet. Yes, you just have to figure all that out. But I wanted to go down further in this. He says, uh, so you keep the word, you do what's right in his sight, you behave yourself, but also you're listening to his voice to hear how he wants you to accomplish certain things. If you're out to accomplish things, figure out how to do that and listen for his voice to speak to you. What I do a lot of times, I'll go pray in tongues for a season. You know, I don't know. I'm a, I don't want to put a time limit on it. Maybe 30 minutes, maybe 40. Maybe, maybe sometimes I can't get it all done in one unit of time. I've got to break it up over several days. But then I'll get quiet and listen to God, and he'll speak to me. Yes. Remember what you asked me three days ago about that? This is what I want you to do right here, Michael. He'll speak to me about it. And then I write it down. No, I don't think I can remember everything just like you thought you could and you forgot it. Don't do that to him. That's disrespectful. But hearing his voice and then doing what's right. And then he says, I will put. Now, that's a bad translation. It really means I will not allow any of the diseases of Egypt or a type of the world to come on you. You know, I am just shocked about the medical uh, commercials anymore. I mean, in one break, I saw him advertise seven different medicines. People are sick. And the people that put them on got plenty of money to pump their stuff at you. I'm just talking to you. I mean, I'm not mad at doctors. I'm not saying that. But, you know, money will motivate certain people. But what I'm saying is here, he says, I will put or allow none of these diseases on you which have come on the Egyptians. He didn't put it on them. He didn't put, he, he don't have any disease to put on people. You do realize that, right? God doesn't have disease in a canister up in heaven. He opens every once in a while and shakes it on the earth. He doesn't do that. Or he'd be schizophrenic. Right. 
And we just ought to forget him if he's going to act like that. No, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And James 1 says, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. Sickness and disease is not a gift. It doesn't glorify God. It doesn't teach you anything. In fact, some of the people I realize it killed them. And some went to heaven, some didn't. But nonetheless, sickness and disease is something of the enemy that comes to steal, kill, or destroy in your life. A certain level of your life, a certain level of activity, a certain level of not being able to do certain things you should be able to do. How many are listening to me? I don't want to get too deep in this part here, but I wanted to say the Hebrew says, I will allow none of these diseases upon you. None of them. None of them. None of them. But I, and he says, uh, which I have brought or allowed to come upon the Egyptians, we would say, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. He's my healer. He's your healer. Let's think about that just a minute here. One translation says, I, the Lord, am your healer. I, the Lord, am your life giver. And this is my favorite. I, the Lord, make you immune to diseases. He makes us immune to diseases. He makes you immune to diseases. I remember one time I went down to the Louisville Clinic. I was going somewhere in another country. I think I was going to Ecuador and Colombia and South America. And one of those countries had a yellow fever, fever epidemic. And so somebody told me they won't let you in that country if you don't have papers that you had shots. Well, I felt led to go to those countries, so I went down to the immunization down in Louisville, and they got, they got a, what is that, a video clip playing. You don't want to watch it. This is what it looks like over in this country in Africa, and this is what it looks like over, and people are sicker, and I can't even tell you what it looked like. It was bad stuff. But I went anyway because I wanted to get my shots. They made me drop my drawers, both hips, take my shirt off, both arms. Then they gave me something with the skull and crossbones on it and said, take this, put it in your refrigerator, take one a day for 14 days. And nobody ever asked me for my shot record, by the way, when I checked into that country. But theoretically, those shots would have supposedly kept me from getting yellow fever. I don't know if it's Colombia or Ecuador, one of the countries had it then. And then, of course, if you didn't have that, they said they'd send you back home because they won't let you in another country because you could have been exposed to yellow fever in the first country. How many understand what I just yeah. said? Yeah. But God could shoot you full in just a moment of time. Bam, 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 bam. bam. <laughs> Make you immune to everything. <laughs> you know, it's funny. They never call it the Holy Ghost flu. It's always the Hong Kong flu or the swine flu or the some other flu. Oh, you don't have to you don't have to be sick like the world. Yeah. For he says, I am the Lord. Now this this comment here, I, I the Lord make you immune to diseases. I, I got it when the Lord says, Do you know what that means? I know he's telling me, I don't know. So because I said to him, I think I know what immune means, but I'm feeling like, no, you don't, he said. So I got my Webster's, and this is what it says marked by protection not susceptible or responsive to, to having a high degree of resistance to. See, so I began to think about that the last 20 years or so, that God is inoculating me from sickness and disease. Hallelujah. You ever been sick? Yes, I've been sick, but I recovered. I got on the other side of it. I don't get discouraged. Are you listening to me? But I'm still reaching out to God because he's the Lord, my healer, who makes me immune to diseases. 
Sometimes you just have to stay with things over a period of time to get it to work for you. Don't get bored with it. You're skipping all the quick cares. You're skipping all the emergency room. You're skipping all the surgeries. You're skipping all the other medications. And if you need medication, go get some. I'm not against it. The Bible says, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. So medicine can be good for you temporarily. It's just that every medicine I know that's got any punch to it has side effects. And they'll tell you that on the news now. Your left eye may fall out in 10 days, but don't worry about that. You'll be healed from something else, you know. <laughs> Your right ankle's getting green, green, but you'll be okay, you know. Yeah. The Lord is our healer. I said the Lord is our healer. He makes us immune. He's our life giver. <laughs> Thank you for giving me life today, Father. Thank you for giving me abundant life today, Father. We need to talk right about it and believe that God is equipping us and filling us afresh and anew. Amen. You know, when I was thinking about DNA recently, I thought about, actually I was watching Good Morning America, and I think it was a Japan scientist. Yeah. He, China or something. China or the Orient, he put some kind of needle in this uh, embryo and fetus to correct it from a situation the mother had. Man, I'm watching it and I said, my God, if that scientist can do that, how much more can God change your DNA? And then I said this out loud, dynamic new anointing, DNA. You know, we sung it tonight. I got God's blood flowing through my veins. If his blood's flowing through your veins, baby, you got some. Think about that. You're redeemed by the blood. Your genes can be changed. Whatever needs to change. <laughs> talk to yourself, but talk to your body. Hallelujah. See, God can change that. What is a cancer cell? A cancer cell is a rebellious cell that tries to gather others that want to rebel too. And that's why cancer grows until it consumes the person. But you could inoculate yourself saying, praise God, I, I claim healing by the blood of Jesus. They say I have this, but I say Jesus' name, I'm healed. I say, Jesus' name, God, you're changing my DNA, and all those cancer cells are dying, and I'm full of life. Yeah. Amen. And the life of God's attacking those things. Yeah. 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 Your T cells. Yeah. Your T cells will attack things like that. Yeah. yeah. I went to this one clinic. I still go there, Dr. Miss Fishman. She said, Michael, you've got a wonderful immune system. I said, that's good, right? She said, oh, yeah, that's good. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah, well, I talk to my immune system, too. I command it to rise up and be strong. And even if I knew it was weak, I'd still say, you're strong in God and the power of his might. I command you to fight all my enemies internally. <laughs> yeah, if anything tries to get a hold of me. Hallelujah, it's moving right along. It's just going over good, isn't it? <laughs> Listen, God can change anything. God, with his word, he can change things. All right, let's go over here to Isaiah 53 here a minute. This is, and the reason I'm going to these basic scriptures, because I can't find any better. <laughs> and this is fundamental to your health. If you don't know these scriptures I'm going over with you tonight, then I, I'm trying to help you to understand how critical it is for you to take it. Take these, take these scriptures, and how do you take it? I'm, I'm going to tell you, by meditating on it, Think about it all the time. 
See that you do think about it. See that you make yourself think about it. You're the Lord that healeth me. You make me immune to disease. Now you may start saying that, and, and, and you know, and sometimes the devil will attack you, and you end up at quick here. Don't quit saying that. Are you listening to me? Just stay with the program. Stay, and if you need additional help, God won't condemn you, and I'm certainly not. God reaches to all of us at every level where our faith will even just have just a little faintest, a little bit of faith. He'll work with us. Yes. Sometimes you have to get some help, outside help to help your body momentarily, but don't let that be a way of life. Are you listening? Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, praise the Lord. I praise God for all the doctors that are diligent and the ones that are godly particularly. I appreciate them so very much. I really do. And, uh, you know, but I'm just saying to you, one doctor I go to at the quicker, she always lays hands on me and prays for me before she ever gives me the prescription. Yeah, she said, I want to lay hands on you. Michael said, have your way up in here. I'm good, good with that. You know, praise the Lord. And I don't even think she's full gospel lady. But anyway, she believes in divine healing, but she's a nurse practitioner, whatever. She's a wonderful lady. Anyway, I'm in Isaiah 53. These scriptures are basic and so meant to help us think right about our health. Now, anybody that's anybody, and I mean that, if they don't know this, then I think they need to do something else besides be a preacher. Because Isaiah 53, from every religion, every denomination that I know anything about, would have to admit this is the chapter about Jesus before he came. This is a chapter that explains what he's coming to do and why he's coming and so forth. And in verse 3 and 4 here, let's take verse 4. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. And the, the Hebrew here says, surely he hath uh, borne, and the born there in the Hebrew is borne away our sicknesses and sorrows and carried our pains. Literal translation. And says, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. Notice that, for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, our sins. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. In other words, a way to unravel that, and I'm going to talk about it tomorrow morning. You don't want to miss it. If you're a part of this church, we're going to talk about fear. And we're going to talk about this. When you're in fear, you're not in peace. What, I, what this says is, he bore what it took to get me his peace to me. It's kind of complicated in the English Bible. The chastisement of our peace was. In other words, God put on him whatever it would take to give me peace in the middle of anything. That's the way that should be interpreted. And when you're in peace, you're not in fear. Yeah. And with his stripes, we are healed. With his stripes, we are healed. We're talking about physical healing here. By his stripes, he bore our sicknesses and diseases. Actually, go back to... Chapter 52 here, uh, the last verse here, the 14th verse. As many as were astonished at thee, talking about Jesus, his visage or his face and his body was so marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of men. Literal translation, he didn't even look like a man after they got done beating him. And he is, he's taking on to himself all the, all the sickness and all the disease and all the mental stuff and all the emotional turmoil and all of the sins of mankind once and for all. Hebrews is so critical to this. He took it once and for all. He took care of it once. We did it one time. He took care of it all. 
but I'm bringing this to your attention here. You have to realize surely he bore your sicknesses, diseases, and pains. He bore this so you wouldn't have to. Are you listening to me? He traded places with us. He became sick that I might be well. He became tormented that I might have peace. He became poor at that moment that I might be rich, have a full supply. Hallelujah. Look down here in verse 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. The word bruise is sick. It pleased the Lord to make him sick. He put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. And so forth and so on. But I'm showing you this because God's the one that laid on Jesus all of this as our substitute. Praise God. Think about that. You and I have been redeemed. Let Let me read some other translations of that. Only our diseases did he bear himself and our pains he carried. That's Isaac Lesser. He was a Hebrew scholar. He's in heaven now, I think. But anyway, uh, but only our diseases did he bear himself and our pains he carried. Here's another one. But in fact, it was our sicknesses he was carrying, our pains he was loaded with. Here's another one. By his stripes there is healing for us. And another one, the Byington translation, the chastisement to give us soundness came on him, and by his stripes we got healing. The blows that fell to him have brought us healing. Don't you realize that? Isn't that sweet? He took our place. He took all of that on himself to give us freedom from it. You know, he bore the curse. He bore the curse, all the, then the curse, you read it, Deuteronomy 28, first 15 verses is the blessing, 15 through I don't know, 68 or whatever the last verse is in that chapter. is all about the curses coming. And then finally at the end of that, about verse 60 or 61, even any sickness or disease not mentioned in the book of the law, he bore that too for us. Yeah, he, whether they've invented a new one or it's coming or whatever, and there's plenty of stuff out there. But at the same time, Jesus already took care of all that. You know, I don't think we realize how, how smart God was and Jesus was to, co- to get into his covenant like that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, why is it sometimes people, let's go to 1 Peter over here, 1 Peter 2. Why is it that sometimes people fail to receive? I'd like to talk to you a little bit about that before we go on into uh, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2. Let me find this reference here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Oh, that's why I'm in the wrong book. First Peter. First Peter 2. I'm going to read something out of that from the Passion Bible as well as the uh, King Jimmy. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Okay. But I want to talk to you a little bit. Why is it that people don't receive having given these scriptures I just talked to you about? That he bore it. He's the Lord, our healer. Well, number one, error, wrong doctrine. People have been taught wrongly about scriptures, and that causes them not to receive. Isaiah 5, verse 13 and verse 20 tells us that, that wrong doctrine will mess up things. In fact, the Bible says, woe unto him that calls evil good. And the Bible says in Deuteronomy seven fifteen, disease is evil. Are you listening to me? 
So when God says, woe unto you that call evil good, that's a serious, I don't want to be on the end of a woe when God says, woe unto you. Isn't that right? We, we need to realize that this is causing a lot of people to become sick because they've been taught wrong. And I know it takes time to get into all this in us, but we're trying our best to talk to you about some basic things about healing. That he bore it, surely, not maybe, not hopefully. He bore it all on the cross. See, even after 40 years, I'm still talking about and finding out what Jesus fully did for me. If I'd have known this when I got saved, I'd been in a church like this with me teaching, I could have learned quicker. But I wasn't. And then I went to a seminary that was even similarly or worse backslidden from the truth they didn't even have a class on healing think about that go all the way through a christian education and nobody bring up healing or if they did their their common stupid answer was you never know what god's going to do and see i didn't know ephesians 5 was in the bible until i read it and it said we can understand what the will of the lord is so when you tell me you never know what god's going to do that tells me you don't read your bible and you certainly didn't hear his voice Because what would he say? I'm your healer. I'm your healer. I'm your healer. I'm your healer. (laughs) I took care of it all for you. I know this seems kind of elementary and redundant, but this will help you. This will help you. Either that or maybe you're just not facing nothing life-threatening. I don't know about you. But I'm telling you, by God, you better learn this when you're healthy. I'm not trying to threaten or make you in fear. That's not my, I want everybody to live by faith and have victory over everything. But I can't do it for you. I can teach you how God has helped me to understand this. That whether I get my healing right then or not, I'm still believing it is God's will to heal me. And when I found obstacles to that, I tried to correct that. Like unforgiveness. Resentment, bitterness, jealousy, strife. Come on. And strife will kill you faster than a bullet. I mean, it is a deadly thing. Strife is deadly. It says when a person's in strife, then, then every evil work is launched against that person. No wonder people are so confused. Yeah. I'm trying to help you here a minute. What was I talking about, First Peter? But I wanted to... Re- so the first thing that's a problem is people have been taught wrong. And then it takes time to get unteach people that are taught wrong. Yeah. Yeah. You know, sometimes we loved our pastors and loved our leaders, and we really respected them. And so when they said something, of course, we assumed they knew what they were talking about, and they had to be telling us the right. truth. My God, they wouldn't stand up publicly and lie to me, would they? Right. Well, I beg your pardon. Some of them did. Mm-hmm. This showed a lack of study, a lack of commitment to the Word. Right. I don't know about everybody, just know about me. I consider my calling a high thing, and I do everything I can to be disciplined about that. And it changes the way I live. I mean, if you just wanted to be a low-lifer and just make some money and just preach some gibberish, you'd go buy a book at a bookstore and preach out of that. And never nobody gets anything from you but a little story. But I never think like that. I'm trying to help people live and not die. Live and be strong. Live and have victory. Live and be in abundance. And get over in the fullness of all that God has for them. 
I remember, I remember this is the same principle here. I said to God one time, I studied finance. Father, I'll be a distributor if you could get me up to that level where I could do beyond what. And he said, I'm going to take you at your word. I said, I want you to. I mean it. It took me five years to get over there. And the last two, he's accelerated me even more. The next 10, it'll be more. But only because I committed and I stayed with it when for five years it didn't look like much of anything was changing. But every time I thought about it and I thought about it here and there and I'd say, Father, I'm holding you to it. I said I'd volunteer. To, if you'd make me a distributor, I would help your church and I would help the people. My wife and I were talking the other day. We don't have any secret accounts. If we did, it'd be none of your business. But we don't. I'm just talking to you straight a minute. What we have funded our entire lifetime together, married, was the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the main thing we've funded for 43 years, 45 years. We've invested in the body of Christ. We've invested in the gospel to keep preachers at their post, to help preachers get new cars if they need, to help preachers be healed, to help preachers get through a tough time. Hallelujah. I'm preaching real good. You're not doing direct great on amen, but I'm preaching good. No, I want you well. I want you healed, and God wants you that way. Here's another one, traditions. People have all these traditions. You know about Paul and Job's, Job and Paul's thorn and all that. Paul's thorn wasn't a physical sickness. I can't find any scripture in the New Testament that says he was ever sick. Now, there's one that indicates he is in, but I checked it out in the Greek, and it meant he was just a very laborious person, very labored hard, and he burned himself out at a moment there. But he was not sick yeah. from sickness and disease. Come on. He lists all the things he went through, but he never listed sickness and disease. Yeah. Interesting. So traditions get in the way sometimes of people receiving. Or, you know, here's another one, past experiences. You know, sometimes you love somebody and they loved you. They were a member of your family or this or that, and they got sick and they died. And they loved God and they prayed and they read their Bible. I know that's all favorable that you do that, but that, just that alone will not put you over in this area I'm teaching you. <laughs> you can read your Bible and read the wrong things into it because you're reading it with a slant or you're studying something. Like somebody said, don't you ever study end times? I said, you won't be here in end times if we don't teach how to live. I guarantee that, baby. No, I mean, I wouldn't be mean to him. I said, no, I don't talk about that a lot because I know if I can get you well and keep you living, you can live on until God comes and takes you or you're done. Yeah. You know, there's come a time for all of us to put our glasses down. We wear them and say, I'm done, Father. I'm ready to go home. But until that time, I'm going to live healthy and live healthy through the last of things. You can die in faith. So traditions mess people up because people have traditions or past experience through somebody that really we looked at. But see, let me help you here to be as pleasant as I can be. You're not God. Yes. <laughs> Are you? No, I'm not either. And people could tell me anything they want to tell me. And sometimes a few people really are truthful. But a lot of times people are telling what they think I want them to say. But they could say what I would say in that setting, but it wouldn't move anything because they're not in faith. They're just quoting something that they heard me say or somebody else like me say. I remember talking to somebody one time. I asked some pertinent questions because they had sickness in their body that was going to kill them if they didn't get it healed. And I asked pertinent questions, and he, I was close to this man. He gave me every answer I would have gave somebody if they were interrogating me, and I'm sitting there listening to him. The Lord said, he's not going to make it. Don't tell him I said that. 
and he didn't. Because he was doing what he thought he needed to say, but it wasn't in his heart. You know, Job says, what do your arguing reprove and your speeches are just like air. There's no, there's no thrust to them, just a bunch of air to it. But when you're in faith, that's substance. Yes. And when you speak from a faith standpoint, yes. there's things get moved and changed when yes. you say something. Yes. You can do it. But you have to meditate on the word and get these scriptures in. Am I being okay? Yes. Trying to help you here. So sometimes error, wrong doctrines, traditions, and not dividing the word rightly is a critical thing because we found out from 2 Timothy 2 that we have to study to show ourselves approved. And sometimes study is a, is a discipline you have to have sometimes. And then 2 Peter 3 says those that are unlearned and unstable wrestle the scriptures to their own destruction. I mean, I'm not making fun of anybody, but I'd like you to pay attention. I went to a church one time, had 1,200 people. They had pews, and they had slots in the back where they put stuff, and they had a piece of paper in the back of every chair of the pew, and I grabbed one out. I was visiting that church, and it had 750 names on this. This is their sick list. 750 people out of 1,200. Sick. I talked to the pastor about it. He don't teach healing. He don't even think that's part of the gospel. See, if you don't teach it, people don't get it. Isn't that right? Yeah. You can't get what you don't know, and you can't know without somebody teaching you. And I, I, I understand I'm kind of strong. Some people say, well, you're too strong. I'm not as strong as Jesus. Yet I'm trying to be more like him. He called you snakes. I didn't call you that. People think I'm strong, man. He did, didn't he? And then he's preaching real strong one day, and everybody gets up and just leaves, and they don't come back. He turned to his staff, how about you boys? You want to go too? There's the exit. That goes contrary to everything that they teach today. Of course, we're not trying to run people out. But my point in saying all this, I'm preaching the standard as best I see it from the word. Because I know if I don't say it, you'll never see it. Not because I'm smarter, but I'm a leader in the body of Christ. So normally the leaders see things first, especially the prophets. I see things coming too that aren't very pleasant. I see things coming that are great. Also, but we're going to have to be attuned to it to walk in it. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He said, The unlearned and the unstable wrestle the scriptures to their own destruction. Second Peter chapter 3. I'm just about done here. Let's go. We're in First Peter 2. Let me, let me read this to you. And I wanted to give you another translation of this from the Passion Bible. But First Peter 2.24 says, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. This is Peter looking back to Calvary and saying we were already healed through Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection. Now I read this in the Passion. I'd never read it in that until today, but I got my Passion Bible and it says here, he himself carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we would be dead to sin and live for righteousness. Our instant healing flowed from his wounding. Yeah. 
our instant healing flowed from his wounding. So he's telling us we can get to a place we could just receive instantly. I'm going to read it again. I like the way our instant healing flowed from his wounding. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Are you listening to me? The footnote says the healing includes the body, the soul, and the emotions. And it was fulfilled in two ways. First, by healing ministry of Jesus. And second, by the blood of Jesus, his wounds, and his blood that flowed from his wounds. And he said, see Matthew 8 and Isaiah 53, 5. I'd already read those scriptures to you. But he said our instant healing. I thought about that. We just instantly take hold of that. Our healing power. Because of his wounding, I can get a hold of that. Are you listening? Don't, I'm not making it complicated. Yes. You, just, you just have one scripture, you can be healed on it. Amen. There's that much power in Amen. it. Just one. Just one. Hallelujah. You know, give yourself a, a you know, uh, put yourself in class with yourself. You say this every day, you know, by his stripes I'm healed. Mm-hmm. He is my healer. He's my one that makes me immune to sickness and disease. He bore everything for me. He bore all my sicknesses and diseases. Hallelujah. You know, I was not, I was a pretty healthy man when I came into the ministry, though I'd been a drug addict. It messed me up for a while. But, but when I got in the ministry in seminary, I got attacked. The devil came to attack me. He attacked my mouth first. He gave me all these blisters on the inside. I thought I had something terrible. I went to the doctor. He took blood work. He said, well, it's not this and it's not that, and I don't know what it is. And that stayed on me through about a year or two or four. I don't know, quite a while. And he gave me some medicine to try to help me. It didn't help much. And so one day I was in there to apply the medicine. The Lord said, well, you believe me now. Throw that in the trash. I threw it in the trash, and normally I don't ever get those again unless I've just stretched myself out, pushed myself too hard. But see, even since then, other things have come. Pain in my side. All determined to take me out of the ministry. All determined to let me back up away from healing just because I'm suffering or dealing with a symptom. Hallelujah. Let me tell you this. If you'll stay with God long enough, all the other stuff will leave. If you stay with God long enough, all the other stuff will dissipate. Yeah. And the devil is the one behind it. He's a bully. And so you've got you to be strong with him and have your authority in place and talk to him and say, get, get, get your stuff and get up on out of here. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. You're listening to me. Yeah. 